welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Welcome back to A Congruent Life, where we're continuing to explore authenticity and share inspirational stories of people who are living into their passions. I'm Andy Gray, and thanks for joining us today. This is episode number 19 of A Congruent Life. In this episode, I'm really grateful to be talking with Pamela Slim, who's been very supportive and inspiring to me personally. Pam has lived into a very interesting path, traveling the world, studying martial arts, serving as the executive director of a nonprofit for a decade, working for a major financial institution, and then leaving with only gratitude. For the last 17 years, she's been working to coach both individuals and organizations about change and entrepreneurship. Here's part of our conversation. I'm talking today with my friend Pamela Slim, who is a writer and coach who helps people with personal change and entrepreneurship and is the author of the best-selling book called Escape from Cubicle Nation. Pam, welcome to A Congruent Life. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Can you maybe just briefly introduce yourself to our listeners, kind of talk a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world? Definitely. So I am a mom of two kids, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, Josh and Rosie, and I am, have been in business for myself for about 17 years, and I, the first 10 years of my business, I was a consultant to corporations, and then after that, I started the Escape from Cubicle Nation blog, where I really focused on helping people make the transition from corporate life into entrepreneurship, uh, and along the way, became a writer, wrote my first book, and I actually just finished my second book, Body of Work, which will come out uh, December 31st of this year. Wow, lots of good stuff to talk about there. Um, let's maybe start with some of your early story. You started your career, I believe, in, in sort of a traditional way, right? You were working for a large company? Actually, no. Started my career way back when. You know, in college, I was actually an international service and development major with a focus in non-formal education in Latin America. So I lived in Mexico and Colombia. I've always been really interested in cross-cultural education and very passionate about social change and economic change of really, especially grassroots development of helping people who don't have access to resources, who have traditionally been oppressed or really had kind of limited futures, create new realities for themselves. And I've always had a very strong grassroots bias of really helping people help themselves, as opposed to some of the other models we can see of, you know, having a huge U.S. aid agency, you know, drop food or, you know, assistance, uh, for example, to another country. So that's really what my early passion was. And I uh, had been an exchange student in Switzerland in high school and just really got excited by global education. And then my career path after college, I think I realized, especially in my senior year when I was in Colombia, in Bogota, that I just really began to recognize that as much as I love living abroad, that probably my best role was not there because they were so much more capable of doing the work themselves. And I could maybe do more advocacy and awareness kinds of work in my own country to help support them rather than being the expatriate aid worker. So I started early in nonprofit and worked at a community foundation and then went into um, arts and science education. If you're familiar with the Exploratorium, a museum in San Francisco, which is very well known, a very cool museum. And then slowly began to get into training and development 
eventually landing in a large corporate job at Barclays Global Investors in San Francisco, where I was more introduced to the world of professional training and development. And I, I really loved it. I've loved my entire work journey. Like each part of what I have done has really contributed to my understanding about the world of work. Um, I also, simultaneous to my corporate work, ran a nonprofit martial arts organization for about 10 years as a volunteer. So that was the Afro-Brazilian art of capoeira. So I kind of have like lived in these many different environments. And what I realize, you know, even today, it certainly was impetus for my new book, is that what fascinates me is people's relationship to work, is people's view about possibilities within their own life. And I think always you know, a core area that always gets me fired up is where somebody begins to recognize that they actually can live a much happier, more fulfilling life if they can figure out like a way to make their own path and get things done. So that's, those are just the themes I think that, that have excited me within all these different kinds of work environments. But there's lots we could dive into all around, but how did you get in touch with that yourself. How, how did you decide while working at a place like Barclays that you wanted to go in such a different direction and be an entrepreneur and sort of take charge of your own career? Well, I, I didn't, when I first made the leap, it was actually not an intention at all of working for myself. I thought that I was just going to get another job somewhere else. As I said, I really enjoyed the work that I did. I got to uh, work with a lot of super smart people and, and, the whole field of learning and organizational development was very fascinating to me. And I had some really great mentors that were in my department. And so I had turned 30 and we had a merger. It was actually a Wells Fargo Nico Investment Advisors was the company before Barclays came in and took over the, the company. And so there were a lot of changes that were happening. My mentors actually left. They went somewhere else. I had been running this nonprofit on the side. That was my side hustle, you know, for 10 years on a very intensive schedule. At that point, I think I was doing like 17 classes a week that I was teaching or taking in this Afro-Brazilian art. So it was very physically taxing, very emotionally taxing. And I got pneumonia and turned 30. And I think I just had that personal point where I'm like, I just can't, I have to do something different. I have to stop what I'm doing. So I just quit but I didn't have a plan at that point to work for myself. I actually didn't think that I had the background and capability because I was a liberal arts major and you know had this weird background in international development. And while I love the work that I did in corporate life, I thought that there was a whole different set of skills that were required. But as I was looking for jobs and none of them sounded interesting, my former manager went to Hewlett Packard and that's where, you know, she hired me just to do some independent contracting. And when I did that, that's where I made the correlation between all that work I had done as a volunteer executive director was actually very entrepreneurial. <laughs> I wrote grants, I did marketing, you know, I started a youth program, we grew to 250 youth. So that was the awareness for me is that that actually is entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial like behavior. I just hadn't viewed it that way. That's such a great realization to come to that point. It seems like we often do get ourselves stuck. You know, hey, wait, I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not qualified to do this. I, I don't have the authority. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have whatever. Uh, but yet, all of a sudden, those dots can connect. Definitely. And it was. I mean, and there's, I've always had a strong feeling of um, enthusiasm and I, and I guess confidence in what it is that I'm doing. So when I get in a situation, as long as I assess it and I feel like I can do a good job, then then I feel 
pretty confident at doing it. I, everybody has their own life journey about different kinds of, of struggles. I just, in my own life experience and, and it, working with so many hundreds of people now over the years, everybody has their thing. And for some people, it's really a struggle trying to find work that they enjoy, right? It's just like, oh, I need to find the right career. I need to find the right business. Thankfully for me, that has never been my issue whatsoever. I've worked since I was 12. I love work and I kind of throw myself into it. It's more uh, in, in really stepping into my own. And when I began to evaluate and understand what were those true areas of expertise, that was the part where I would have those feelings sometimes. Like I'm 30, I don't have, when I first started consulting, I don't have a master's degree. I don't have you know a degree in business. And that's where I started to, to question myself initially. The, the solution was to just get involved in a couple of projects where once I got into them, that's where I fell into that mode of enjoying it and doing my best and focusing on really serving the client. And then that's, I think, where slowly my, my confidence built up. It seems like we often talk to people who feel stuck in their jobs. They feel trapped for whatever reason, and they want to make a change in, in some way. But probably entrepreneurship is not necessarily the right advice for everyone. How do you help people in discerning what those next steps are? What kind of advice do you give to people when they, when they do feel stuck and, and try to find a way out of that? Well, it's interesting because I'm in a, a bit of a transition right now where I have been specifically, most people that come to me are coming for advice about starting a business. So it's already kind of pre predetermined being the escape from cubicle nation lady, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, a screening by brand by the, by the time that they get to me. And so in evaluating, sometimes when people do begin to assess and say, you know, why is it that they actually want to start a business? One of the things I said in, in my book was hating your job intensely is not a business plan. Right. You know, that it's like it's not that's not actually what is going to make you successful as an entrepreneur. And, and you can be feel really stuck and really unhappy at what you're doing. We all know if you've worked in a corporate environment that there are some things that can be very difficult about being in a large corporate environment. You know, as I, as I said, I loved so much of what I had in that environment at the same time, you know, there can be pointless meetings and it can, you have no control over your destiny. Sometimes if you get new management and uh, you know, micromanaging and all, all these different elements that for some people feel very restrictive. But part of what I like to, to help people sort through is in really understanding, you know, is there actually an interest and a desire in working for yourself, do you have something that has the potential to be a viable business idea? It's very sensitive work. I, I take it very seriously where people have invested a lot of time and energy to be developing in their corporate careers. Many people that I work with have families, they have mortgages, right? Uh, some spouses work, some don't. But it, it's a pretty huge disruption and a huge risk if you are going to be quitting that situation in order to start a business. And there's nothing like not having a really good sense about if something has business viability, if you've never tested it or you haven't done it on the side, you know, to like make a huge risk because it sounds like a great idea can end up kind of, in, you know, disastrous, right? So I think a lot of a lot of what you want to evaluate if you're not happy where you are is beginning to define what are the conditions that you think do tend to drive your work happiness. Some people have had it in the past so they can draw on that. But other times you can you can do certain kinds of assessments. You could do Strengths Finder, which is a great tool that you can use to understand your natural strengths. You can um, look at things like your own values. What do you deeply value? Very often within corporate environments, 
it's actually a values conflict that ends up creating much of the angst where maybe, you know, you have a certain uh, approach to life where you really value honesty and direct communication. And you may be in a corporate environment where it's not really safe to have honest and direct communication. So you feel like everybody around you is always kind of twisting things and, you know, has a hidden agenda, which can make even all the other things around you, the job itself, the environment, you know, the, the salary, the benefits, all of that kind of be secondary because you're just so annoyed all the time that you don't feel like your values are honored. So there are things like that. You can really look at kind of what's a physical environment that brings out your best. Some people hate being cooped up inside all the time. Some people like don't like living in a cubicle if they were working from home doing the same job or, you know, they had a variety in what they're doing that might be a little bit more effective. So it's really understanding yourself and understanding the conditions that might really lead to work happiness. What are the things that you're doing that give you great interest and energy? And then I think ultimately, what is it that you want to create? What are some of those things that you really want to create and contribute? So when you get those things in place and and you have a, a picture of what it is that you're looking for, then you can start to evaluate, right? And say, okay, this is really what entrepreneurship looks like. How much of that is matched, right? What you want to look at. Um, what would be your ideal situation of, of really what you're looking for? So for example, if you don't have a lot of risk tolerance and you like predictability and stability and you you hate to do cold calling and all that, entrepreneurship may not be the best kind of you know situation for you. So that's usually kind of where to start. Much more a journey within. I find many people that have been in corporate jobs or that have kind of fallen into their careers often have never taken the time to actually ask themselves what they want. Those are tough questions sometimes to really get in touch with that. Yeah. Yeah. You've been doing this for so long. I imagine you have some amazing stories of people that you've encountered and worked with over the years. Are there some stories that you could tell that maybe you found personally inspiring and have affected your own journey? Oh, man, there's many, many, many. That's for sure. Um, I know there, there's a couple in, in particular um, that I can think of. And one is... Uh, someone who had been in a mid-level, kind of mid-senior level position in a large company for many years, was very, very smart, you know, really interested in innovation, you know, had been on the technology side of business, but had been in that role for so long that it was really pretty scary to think about shifting out, you know, his whole career, he had really been focused on being in a, in a corporate environment. And so in, in doing the work with him, it's like that for me, I can often see these elements of like, boy, like there's so much that he could contribute. And he had such a desire to be going out and really, you know, having more freedom and flexibility in his life and uh, being able to really move forward. But it did feel like a really big shift, you know, in order to to make the leap and, and to begin to connect with people who could actually be, you know, consulting clients. So. Um, so I did work with him individually. He came to a retreat that I um, that I did a business um, design retreat with my friend Charlie Gilkey, and over time, kind of at his own pace, and especially by connecting with other people that were peers that were doing the same thing, he was able to do it. And he left his job and he started consulting, began to speak at a lot of different events, like really developed the specific expertise around really what he loved to do. And there's a part of it to see him now. I just got an email this morning actually from him that was an update. It's always just kind of a miracle, you know, like as many times as I've been through the experience, I have so much admiration in his case, because when you get to that age of maybe being more like in your mid 50s, it's pretty difficult, I think, in order to make that leap to give up everything 
that all the kind of status and knowledge that you have of being in a corporate environment and really take the risk to go somewhere and be independent. And he's just a very thoughtful person, you know, a little bit more introverted. And so it was really, it really took him a lot of, um, I just think courage, you know, and personal belief in order to make, you know, make the transition. So that just very personally satisfying. And, you know, he did the work himself, like he really made it happen. And I think that was, that was very, very exciting. Um, on the opposite end of the age scale was Willie Jackson, who is uh, one that's very well known, you know, as my client, which is why I, I give his name because he I met him at my book workshop in Atlanta in 2009. And he was in his you know early 20s. He was very successful, a technology consultant and, uh, you know, had bought a house already as a single guy but just was not happy at all, began to really look around him and seeing, you know, I always called him like the dream candidate. He was just what every employer would want because he was so bright and personable and just very capable that he'd be the kind of person who would be on that corporate track, who could definitely do very well within corporate life. But within his field, he, he had what he called like a quarter life breakdown where, you know, to, you know like at 25, he, he just looked at some of the people around him that were twice his age and they were on their third marriage and they were popping, you know, heart pressure medication and really unhappy and, and just not, he just didn't really, really like what he saw. So he ended up quitting his job and uh, started consulting. He had always done a side hustle of like WordPress development, you know, on the side. And then he actually applied to work with Seth Godin on the Domino Project, and he ended up being hired as the chief technology officer for Seth's Domino Project, where he got to spend six months with Seth Godin every day, and uh, you know a whole group of other really fantastic, um, you know, young entrepreneurs, and just it absolutely blossomed. He ended up moving to Argentina, and uh, you know, doing a project there. He had never been abroad before. And it's just like watching him at such a young age find his path. He always he always had the energy of a uh, much older person. You know, he just he comes across as we call him president of the United States because he just has that very stately, like very leadership kind of quality. But in, in this way, it's like he actually before he got on a path where he ended up maybe building a life that he really didn't want, he shifted gears. And, and one of the things I like the most about Willie is that he's very much a mentor himself. So now that he's been through that, he really helps a lot of young folks around him, you know, who are wanting to make a different shift in a transition. And he's not anti-corporate either, right? It's not like he thinks it's a, it's a bad idea for young people to go in corporate life, but it's to be conscious about it. And if that's really the life for you, and if it's not really helping to encourage, you know, another way of being. Yeah, that conscious choice seems to be such a common theme and such an important theme underlying all this. Yeah. So how have those stories inspired you? How maybe have working with people like that influenced your own journey? It pretty much is everything. It's the reason why it is that I do the work that I do. It's a very, you know, specific kind of uh, route where when I see, I have a deep intuitive understanding that people are capable of making change. And as I said before, I've like worked in many different situations, people who had no financial resources at all, right? Living in deep poverty, who, where I saw what happened, the magic that happened when they were able to take charge of their lives and feel confidence and feel inspired and get support so they could make a change. There's, there's a, there's a magic 
there's just a magic to it, I think, for me, where I can see that and know, I think one of, one of my strengths that I have and one of my gifts is being able to see that potential, just kind of having a sense with somebody when I meet them about like what really is their truth, what, what do they want to say, what do they want to do, and if they have a vision, helping them to paint a picture of it and create a plan where they can make that happen. So it's just very satisfying to, to do that because I think that when people begin to make that change, and they feel that sense of control and power, I think they become more compassionate with themselves, with others. I think we get out of uh, what, what feels like today is very much of a whole cycle of, you know, blame and finger pointing and, you know, everybody on whatever, you know, side of the political spectrum, just um, not really taking action, not honoring each other, you know, in our differences, um, but like looking for somebody else to have the solution or just saying, you know, I have the only way of doing something. And it's just when I see somebody that in a very self-determined way, you know, makes a change and yet does it with compassion for the community around them and then takes that same step themselves where they're able to help others, you know, that are in a situation it's it's very inspiring to me, you know, and on that one of the things in the, during the time when I worked with so many young, young people um, in the martial arts in Capoeira and the art that I did, a lot of the kids that I worked with were in San Francisco uh, in some really rough neighborhoods. They lived in projects. Some of them had been in gangs, were in very, very challenging neighborhoods where it was actually very dangerous to even like walk down the street. What I found in that experience of working with many of them is in many cases, they are judged immediately by the world without anybody knowing anything about them based either on the color of their skin or what neighborhood they live in or what kind of clothes they wear. And it's so unfair. It's so disheartening sometimes to see that when I got to meet them and see all the potential that they had inside and to recognize like, what would that feel like to just walk down the street and immediately based on how you look, you know, or where you come from, how people make a certain judgment about what your future is and what you're capable of and what kind of level of intelligence you have. And then I think the other thing is in knowing that everybody has different opinions about what we can do, you know, to either, depending upon how you frame it, solve the youth problem, right? What's the problem of youth crime or to be supporting youth? What made me feel very excited is actually doing something specifically to engage them with their own power, where as they started to do that, they would naturally make better choices, right, in their life. They were healthier. They were getting out of tough situations. Their whole vision of their life expanded. They began to have, you know, more diverse circles in terms of just people around them, people of different ages and races and, you know, different backgrounds, which allowed them to really be expanding the possibilities for their own life. And and that's the kind of thing I think that that's where I will get on the soapbox <laughs> when when it comes to talking about issues that we need to be solving in the world, right? About making things better, about, you know, solving problems. Personally speaking, and this is based on my own experience, volunteering for 10 years to make change happen, I know for a fact that young people can and will get on a much better direction with positive encouragement and mentoring and clarity and direction. What I saw happening where they're just going into the you know, the penal system where it's like more and more hard, just lock them up or throw them in juvie or something. I mean, you know, people that, that do crimes have to have to obviously pay for that. It's not that I'm against consequences for different actions, but when you really look at what it is that you want, you know, if you really want to make change, we can't, especially in the case of youth, just be, you know, thinking we can just be more and more tough and in many cases write them off when they're, you know, only teenagers. And so it's that spirit when you kind of see their natural strength and their power emerge and you see the possibility of what they're capable of, 
that to me is the root that I see in, you know, my client that made the transition, you know, out of corporate life at 55 and of Willie that did it at 25. It's the same, it's the same kind of spirit, you know, and that's personally what I feel like is that's my purpose. That's why I'm here. It's to help do that with as many people as possible. The mission of this A Congruent Life Project is really about sharing stories of authenticity. What does living authentically or congruently mean to you? To me, it is about living my life according to what I believe. So in knowing what I believe, so taking the time to really understand what do I value, what is important to me, and then making sure that that is actually what I'm acting on. So whatever values I say I have, that I act on it, both in my personal life and also in my professional life. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fundamentally it, like just really living in accordance with with my values. Some people like to have a real division between their personal life and their professional life. You know, it's like you kind of have a persona for business and a persona for your personal life. I've just never been either organized enough or <laughs> disciplined enough to make a difference. It just feels like a whole bunch of work to me to make a big make a big separation that I just it feels easier to be consistently who I am. Now, certainly, you know, my own private life and with my family, it's not like I share every single part, you know, of who I am um, with the outside world, nor do I think that you need to in order to be authentic or be congruent. Um, it happens to be that I have a strong set of values around community, around connection. And so because of that, it feels good to me that I do share my entire life with folks, you know, online, for example, you know, it's like people know my kids, they know my dogs. I like when we all share stories with each other, and we feel more community and connection. That's for me personally. There can be somebody else who really values having deep artistic contribution to the world through their body of work that they create. And they also value privacy when it comes to their family life. So for that kind of person, Congruency would mean respecting the fact that they don't really talk about their family life, but then feeling very good about what it is that they show professionally. So that's that to me is really where I personally feel that congruence. If I ever, you know, behave a certain way where I find myself, you know, tuning into things or thinking, you know, maybe I should be a certain way in the way I behave or I should be connected with certain people because they're, you know, famous or I should like them or something. And 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 it turns out that we don't actually share values, that's where I start to feel uncomfortable and, and have that incongruence, I think, in my own life. Those are some really great reflections. Thanks. That, that's very interesting. I, I was having a very similar conversation earlier this morning with Tim Conley from The Foolish Adventure, and we were talking some about congruence and the personas that we play. And that's a very interesting distinction. One of the things that I love about you and about your work is that it, it does feel like your online persona is very consistent with your offline persona. You know, I've been following you for quite a while and get a sense of who you are. And then meeting you in person and actually sitting and talking to you one-on-one, -on -one, it, it feels feels authentic in that way. It feels congruent. It's not like there's different PAMs that show up online and offline. That's cool. My ploy is working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just it's, it does just so much more comfortable and, and easier for me to, to have that. I'm also very much of an extrovert. So I think that sometimes can also play into it where I have a lot of energy for personal relationships, either online or in person. And I've actually been doing um, a lot of work with Susan Kane, who you might know, who authored a book, Quiet, about introverts. That's been really illuminating, realizing sometimes, too, how we can have a an extrovert bias to how it is that we, you know, we see folks, as we know, you know, just because you might be introverted 
get more energy in being by yourself and, and refueling your battery, you know, individually. Introverts can be very good socially, but sometimes it also means that you won't have as much energy, you know, to be reaching out and connecting with people. And I think sometimes we misinterpret that as people not being as open or not being as friendly or something like that, where it might just be more a matter of style, or you might meet somebody, they're much more quiet, you have a group of people who are talking. Um, I know as an extrovert, I'm always very much wanting to reach out and connect with people because that's a natural extrovert kind of thing to do. Whereas for somebody more introverted, you know, that wouldn't be the natural comfortable thing where they might feel really comfortable just kind of sitting back and watching the engagement and then maybe either having a smaller conversation or sharing, you know, a tidbit when they felt the time was right. So I just, I'm just really fascinated by that. And it's been really interesting to just dig into the research and have conversations about it. Um, because I realize how much of an extrovert bias I have being an extrovert. <laughs> I love that one of the first things that you said when introducing yourself was, I'm a mom. I wonder if you have some thoughts about how those roles of being a mom and being a spouse and being family focused has influenced the choices that you've made throughout your career and how that maybe ties in with your sense of authenticity. Definitely. It, it, I have made very specific choices when it's come to to my family. And so my son is, is eight, my daughter's five. And I waited for a long time to get married. I was, you know, about 30, 36, I think, when I met my husband. And then I had Josh when I was 38 and Rosie when I was 41. And so because I had spent so much more time, you know, traveling and doing independent things, you know, that I really wanted to spend time as a mom. I wanted to be connected with my kids. I didn't want to just be traveling all the time. That was a really strong personal value of actually wanting to be around for my kids. So it, it turned out that actually the uh, I built my online business. One of the reasons why I built it is in order to be able to spend time with my kids and not be traveling all the time. So Josh was about maybe three months old or something when I started to to begin to work on the idea for the blog. And then when Rosie was, you know, a month old or something, I got my book deal. So it's kind of interesting in that like I've had all this, this opportunity, my online profile and visibility has really grown when I've had kids. But I've made a very conscious decision to not like really ride the wave. I mean, ride it to the, the places where I want to ride it and like have fun and be, you know, reaching people. But I've made a very conscious decision to not push myself so hard that I would then not be able to spend time with my kids. And one of the things I've said before when I've done different, you know, interviews kind of talking about this topic is I remember when my, when my book came out at that point, I think Rosie was about 18 months by the time I wrote it and it went through the publishing thing and it came out. And I knew, I knew that I didn't just want to be, I did a book tour. I, you know, I went to a whole number of cities and everything, but I kind of spaced out the engagements and I just knew the amount of energy that I had in order to do the launch. And there were other colleagues of mine that had books that came out at the same time that were at a different stage of life or, you know, in some cases they were dads and they had a full time, you know, stay at home mom and things like that, where they made different choices in terms of how they allocated their time. And so their books, you know, did better, um, you know, sold more copies or whatever. But to me, the part that where I can maintain integrity with it and not be like, you know, why is it that that person, you know, sold my so sold more books than mine? It's because I made a choice to not spend so much time doing it, to do enough of it to where I could really, you know, get the word out and, and give it a good run. I've always had more of that turtle pace in my life where it's been now it's been since 2009. So about, you know, five years 
of continually talking about the book and really growing it, you know, over time. But those are examples, I think, of really important choices that we make. And I think one of the things that's important is to own the choice and the consequence and also to choose to be really satisfied and not be like, oh, you know, man, if I didn't have kids, I would have done that. It's like, no, I actually love having kids. I'm glad I, you know, spent some time away from them doing the book tour. But at the same time, I was able to uh, to really spend some good quality time with them. And that's part of what makes a really good, you know, healthy life for me. And whenever I get really far away from that, that's where my kids are my immediate barometer because they'll just tell me. They'll just tell me. When I was writing the second book, it's always in the last few months you have to work a lot, you know, weekends and evenings and stuff. And uh, I was driving my kids to school and, you know, I told Josh that I had to to be writing on the weekend again. He's like, why don't you just write at the office, mom? Like, why, you know, why don't you just do it at the office? And I said, you know, I have to, I see clients during the day. I, I do as much as I can, but there's just, I have too much stuff right now. I need to take the time to do it. I said, some moms make a choice to just spend full time with their kids, which is a great choice to be a full time mom. And other moms want to spend time with their kids and they also want to do something in the world, you know, to help people in the world that they care about or create something they care about. Uh, I said, you know, they're both really good choices. I've chosen to be a, a working mom. And my daughter said, I wish you were the other kind of mom. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was just like, oh, I ended up including this whole dialogue in my book, actually, when we started to talk about success, you know, and so I and I and I just said, you know, I know it's been really difficult. But, you know, this is one example where I feel really strong as a parent that I want you to see that I actually really enjoy my work and an important value to me is in being here for you guys, but also helping other people because it's been very engaging to me and I really love my work, you know, and, and Rosie said, you know, well, by the time you're done writing, you know, we're going to be so old that we won't want to play anymore, you know, and it was just, but, but yet it's like in the moment they can say things like that, which actually was very motivating for me just to like really make sure that I got it done. And I got very, productive and focused after that, you know, because I, I knew I wanted to be done, but projects can kind of stretch on sometimes, you know, longer than you want. Uh, but my point is, is that they, they will absolutely tell me immediately and directly when I'm out of balance. And I think they're very, I think they're very supportive. They're excited by it. They like to come to events that I do. I think they're proud of the fact that I'm, that I'm a writer uh, that I'm a martial artist, you know, it's like they, they see me doing these other things and, and I know that they, they support me in that. But if I get out of balance and I'm doing too much work, they'll immediately really, you know, really bring me back. Very wise. Yeah. They're pretty deep little children, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you, Pam? Tell us about the the new book and some of the other projects in your world. Yeah. The new book is called Body of Work. And it, it really is a, it's a culmination, actually, of reflection on all of the different stages of work that I've done. It, it's been a very wonderful process of really digging into the book and, um, and seeing what it is that I wanted to share and, and realizing that it is a chance to really leverage all the experience that I've had. The, the basic premise of the book is that because the world of work is inherently unstable, right? We can't count on career paths or business paths or academic paths or anything that the one thing we can really focus on is what is that body of work that we want to create in our lives that's going to make us feel connected, that will be meaningful to us, 
we can create a, a definition of success that's very personal so that we really enjoy our life while we're living it and that we're really, really clear about what do we want to create. In doing that, we can move between and among different work modes. So we can choose to be in a corporate job for a while, which is the right kind of thing in order to build what we want or learn what we want to. Then we can go work for ourselves and we could start a nonprofit and go back to corporate. I hope to maybe have people feel less like it's the light and the dark side of the force that, you know, either you're in the evil corporate job and then you do the good business, which I don't think is true. They're just work modes, right? But more that you're thinking about what do I want to create and contribute to the world and what's the best work mode to do it. So based on that, having that kind of perspective, uh, there are some very specific skills that I think are required in order to be successful, to really give you that flexibility and, you know, and movement. And that's really what, what the book lays out. So it's, it's much bigger. It's a broader market than just the entrepreneurship market. I'm hoping that people in corporate life will also really enjoy it and it can help them to make decisions even about where they might go within a company, really open up their thinking, you know, about what do they want to create? What could be cool projects? What are cool collaborations? And um, it, it really, yeah, my intention with the book is to give some more optimism because I think we're so much, at, at least in the popular media, always, you know, talking about the demise of how things aren't stable. And every June when college graduates, you know, graduate, it's every story about how this is the worst economy and it's a terrible time to be a college student. I'm sitting back going, are you kidding me? Like we're in this amazing, amazing time in history where we have tools like this, where we can be sharing our expertise with people all over the world and creating these amazing, interesting, you know, combination of local businesses and online and collaborations. And it's a very exciting time to be alive where you have a framework and a, and, and a skill set that allows you to be highly mobile. So that's that's really what I, I want to be contributing to the conversation. And, and it feels like in my own body of work, it feels like a very new a whole new area that I can really grow and develop because I've spent the last eight years developing all kinds of different ideas and tools and, and you know experiences within entrepreneurship, which is still always going to be part, I think, of what I do. I love the creative part of entrepreneurship, but this just allows me to really expand my market. And I, I think done, so it's the downside of having a strong brand like Escape from Cubicle Nation is that I scare away people who might want to hire me to speak in corporations because they think I'm anti-corporate which I never have been. And so it just feels like a breath of fresh air and like I can start to do a lot more interesting, you know, collaborations with people from different fields. And it just really feels like a, a lot of open possibilities. So I'm really excited about exploring that personally, but also professionally. It sounds very fascinating and timely. I can't wait to jump into that. Yes. Can't wait to share it. How can our listeners engage with you, Pam? Uh, you can find me at escapefromcubiclenation.com. Uh, shortly, probably in the next month or two, we're going to launch PamelaSlim.com. One of the efforts of rebranding is to, so I'm not pegged as just the Escape from Cubicle Nation uh, lady be there, but currently all my, you know, all my contact information and social profiles and stuff are on escapefromcubiclenation.com. Um, and also on Twitter, I'm Pam Slim. And Facebook, my face, Facebook page is facebook.com slash Pam Slim. Is there a final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with about authenticity? You know, I think the main thing is, um, is really just respect your instinct. I think we all are wired to be, being authentic is not, there's not a formula for being authentic. It's more trusting and relaxing into who you really are and having the courage to 
speak your own truth and make decisions about structuring your life to be more congruent in your terms with who you really are rather than who it is that you think you should be. So instead of maybe, you know, trying to be authentic and really, you know, stressing about it, it's more a matter of just trusting and respecting who you are and maybe taking small little steps of experimenting with maybe speaking up for a situation at home that doesn't make you feel comfortable or, you know, opening yourself up to try something new that might be a kind of project at work that sounds like it's more in line with what your interests are and don't think you have to settle in and just play a role because it's really what's socially acceptable. Well, Pamela Slim, thanks very much for the work that you do. Your work has been really inspiring and you've been very supportive of me. I'm thankful for that. And thanks very much for sharing this time with us and sharing your stories. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Pamela Slim. Have you worked with Pam or have your own story to tell about embracing entrepreneurship? Please leave a comment on the webpage for this episode, which you can find at acongruentlife.net slash 19. While you're there, please join our community mailing list, which you can find in the upper right-hand corner of the webpage. Thanks again for being here and listening to A Congruent Life. I really do appreciate you. See you next week. Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at acongruentlife.net. See you next time.